hola, hola, amigos, amigas, players, playerettes, dudettes, everybody in between. Welcome back to episode 110, the 110th ongoing attempt to remove us from podcast land Dang. has failed. Wow. That, I guess not. I'm not impressed with us, but I'm impressed we're still on the air. I have to say that. We're like cockroaches, Murph. <laughs> we can survive a nuclear blast. We're still here. Turn the light on. We'll scurry away, but we're coming back. We're coming back. All right. Speaking of coming back, hey, guys, glad that you came back to listen mm-hmm. to us. Hey, you know, something I keep forgetting to say, but just, you know, no matter what podcast platform you're on, hit that subscribe button so that it automatically downloads into your feed so you can hear us, uh, hear the hear the stories that are going to come out of this. But, you know, hey, just hit that subscribe button where you are. Um, it increases our numbers. Uh, so that Murph can afford a yacht. He needs a yacht. He's got a big lake out back. He's got alligator shoes now. Now he needs a yacht. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm reading the book of one of our uh, future guests here. I won't, I won't let the cat out of the bag yet. But after reading what happens on some of those boats, I don't think I want to go out in the ocean anymore. Yeah, speaking of the upcoming guest, uh, we won't give it away, but we will say that it was another s- series was made out of this person, this author's books. A popular series, too. Very popular series. One of the longest-running series on one of the networks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so th- this will be fun. But anyway, let's uh, get rid of – but we started off with the housekeeping. Hit the subscribe, but also hit those five stars, Apple, Spotify. Wherever you're listening, just remember, uh, Stitcher is no longer. Yep. Uh, if you're on Stitcher, head to another platform. Also, head on over to our website, GameOfCrimesPodcast.com. That's where you will find the books for our guests we have coming up, for our guests coming up in a while. And we just got a note, too. One of our buddies, Pete Friselli, we'll talk about this later, but his paperback will be out in March. So we will obviously give you guys an idea about that. We'll talk about that because he's got a book coming out called The Deadly Path. It's about Operation Fast and Furious. And guess who got to write the foreword for that book? Uh, well, somebody who knows how to write, which would probably be Connie. You probably dictated to her. Well, fortunately, we had Grammarly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Just that's in one time. Of the, that's one of the bennies of having a great sponsor like Grammarly. Grammarly, that's right. Murph wrote it, and Grammarly made it sound good. There you go. Thank you, Grammarly. <laughs> uh, also, follow us on that thing they call the social media, at Game of Crimes on Twitter, Game of Crimes podcast on Facebook, and the Instagram also. Go over Game of Crimes fans. Just type that in. Our favorite mafia queen, Sandy Salvato, uh, the ruler with the velvet glove, over that iron fist, by the way. Yeah. Don't tick her off. We'll let you in. All right? So just answer a couple questions. Get close. Join the hilarity, the jocularity. The, and it's insularity because we're a, we're a private group. you got to answer a couple questions. So things That's get right. wild. And we actually have had a couple good stories came out. She just posted one. She was pissed. I don't know if you saw that, Murph, but um, – a Seminole County detective has been arrested for notifying targets of uh, child solicitation stings. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And these these were people who were soliciting. No children were involved. No children were harmed in the actual making of the arrest. But he was notifying them about, through encrypted apps or other stuff, notifying the targets, hey, this is a setup. Don't show up. You know what? This uh, this coming Tuesday, next week, I'm going to the the board meeting for the Andor- Orlando Police Foundation, which is not only Orlando PD, but it's also Osceola County, Orange County, and Seminole County. So the sheriffs will be there, and, and they just invited me to speak at their uh, fall gala this year, their big fundraiser. So uh, I'm going to have to ask him about that and 
you know what? There's probably some good stories up there that we can bring here on Game of Crimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that will factor into an announcement we may have for you later. We have a call coming up on Monday as this podcast is being released with our agents at UTA. Something may be in the works. Yeah, baby. We'll see. Speaking of being in the works, uh, you need to work on heading on over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. That's where you need to be. We've had some good uh, contentious stuff out there. We've had some funny stuff. Uh, 911, what's your emergency? We've got Q&A coming up. We've already fielding questions. So if you're hearing this and you're part of Patreon or you want to be part of Patreon, get your questions into us. We answer everything, yeah. even on the installment plan. Oh, and it's uh, you guys. I mean, just you got to listen to that because we we give a little we give a little hints and clues to to our patrons that support us about what's upcoming and and you know they've got a good idea of of some of our guests that are coming up really soon that I think you guys are going to like. Nobody. And by the way, one of them will be a world premiere of a world famous name that was just in a huge movie. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge. It's huge. That has never been on a podcast before. Never been on a podcast. We got him first. We got him first. Took the U.S. Marshals. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You talk about dogged determination. (laughs) Yeah, and a a selfie of a finger from John Bernthal to make this happen. (laughs) Thank you, John. (laughs) And John knows who we're talking about. Yeah, you know who we are. All right. So, but head on over there, guys. We've got a lot of good stuff coming out. So that is patreon.com slash game of crimes. But now, quick disclaimer. This is a show about crime. We talk about bad people doing bad things and bad people doing bad things to good people. We take the story seriously, but what, Murph? If you haven't figured it out yet, we never take ourselves serious, except maybe on Patreon. We get a little, we get on our soapboxes occasionally there. Occasionally, yeah, we do. Uh, and there's some comments about that, so I'll have to tell you about later. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, but hey, but in the meantime, uh, you know what time it is, right? Guess what time it is? Let me ask you, guess what time it is? What? Guess what time it is? I bet it's time for... <laughs> Have you ever been in a sticky situation in an investigation? Oh, yeah. yeah. But you weren't in this sticky situation. You mean literally or figuratively? <laughs> Police in Pasadena, Texas are on the lookout. A 12-year-old girl told uh, KHOU-TV that she was shopping at a drugstore last week when she felt a wad of something sizzling in her ponytail. It turned out to be glue. So they have a sticky, uh, you know, have a sticky investigation going on. The sticky bandits have attacked. Not only that, she had to cut off some of her hair. Managers say another customer had glued sprayed onto her hair earlier at the same drugstore, and they're investigating a similar incident at a nearby grocery store. Why the hell would you go around spraying glue in people's hair. You're the sticky bandit. That means, remember the wet bandits from Home Alone? Yeah. These guys yeah. are the sticky bandits. Oh, that's just so nasty to even be called that. Wow. Unlike that lady who thought Gorilla Glue was like a way to keep her hair. Remember that one? She it put will. Gorilla It will keep your hair. It will. It will. <laughs> but folks, oh my God. But this was funny, Steve. I got these out of the Bristol Herald Courier out of Bristol, Tennessee. I thought, let me go to kind of a smaller area, you uh-huh. know, get some stuff. So, that was one story, Steve. Uh, here's another story. <laughs> this comes out of Iowa City, Iowa. So, you know, people rob banks for the strangest things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a 19-year-old North Liberty man used cash stolen in a bank robbery to pay for a bond he had on an outstanding warrant. <laughs> 
the only thing that'll make it better is if it had the die, the explosive oh die. Oh my God! When he gave it to the police department. Uh, he was charged. Police charged Charles Curry with first-degree bank robbery after the robbery of the American Bank and Trust. Uh, Curry cased the joint out by talking with the teller and leaving a second man armed with a handgun, then robbed the bank. Police say Curry used bank money to pay a bond for an outstanding theft charge at the Johnson County Jail, then went shopping at a Walmart and Gordman's department store. Um, All I can say is, Curry, you're an idiot. <laughs> he was taken to jail. There's a there's an understatement. But hey, I got I got to end up with this one. You ever had, remember all these things where people go, hold my beer? Oh, yeah. Yep. This one comes from Burgettstown, Pennsylvania, population 1,425. Salute. The population makes a difference because we're going to get into the structural integrity of the holding cell that uh, Timothy Bonner was placed in. Uh, he was uh, he was arrested, taken to this holding cell, had his handcuffs removed. Um, they shut the door, went off. That's when he knocked the cell door off at Sanchez and ran away. Now, what did he do? He stopped at a house, borrowed shoes, and then he went to a bar where he told a customer that, yeah, I just broke out of jail. Can I have a beer? The guy held the beer, but before he could drink it, he goes, oh, hold my beer. Here's the police. Police came in and arrested him. Dang, how did he knock the door off the hinges? I'm telling you, some of these old places, it's like, it's more like having a, a fence, you know, you know, fences keep, you know, make good neighbors, you know, locks keep honest people honest. But, you know, it's just, it was more the, you know, just like uh, Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. It's all about Now, that's the day you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. But he used leverage to to pry that door off its hinges. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, But that's, there's a good, hey, hold my beer. I'm going to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Again. (laughs) Again. Well, hey. Speaking of fun stuff, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out a good segue into this. This one I get the intro because this guy I know, this guy actually has something in common with one of our other guests. Yes. Sherry Foster. And Sherry, if you're listening, TikTok, TikTok, <laughs> I will get my book into him before you do, and I will be declared the winner. So this young man, and I say young man, he's got six kids. Oh my God, he's been busy with everything. Uh, I don't know when he's had time to have six kids as busy as he is writing and editing books. But mm, Ryan, I wonder if there's a milkman in his neighborhood. Uh, sorry, Ryan. The, the, <laughs> sorry, DNA tests are in your future, pal. Um, so no, no, no. His wife's great. No, no, the, the, we don't want to make any insinuate any insinuate almost said <laughs> insinuations like that. Anyway, but let's get back to the uh, case in chief. So, but you know, may, many of you may not know who Ryan Steck is. You may have heard of big names like Jack Carr, Brad Thor, people writing thrillers. Well, not only is he the real book spy, if you go to therealbookspy.com, that is him. Ryan Steck, besides being my development editor and Sherry's development editor, guess who, you know, who asked him for recommendations and who's asked him to review their books? Jake Tapper, Brett Baer. He has got a list of celebrities and people, as long as my arm, of people that he's worked with, people that he's helped, people that are coming to him to say, hey, take a look at my book. And you got so you're about to say something there, Murph. I've I've got so I've got him pulled up on my on my laptop here as you're talking, and he is he's on his uh, blog or whatever it is, my YouTube. I'm not sure what you call it here. Which yeah. Guess who he's talking to? Brad Thor, the author. Brad Thor, the author. How about he, that? He gets him on Twitch. Actually, I was supposed to be on that Twitch session, um, but yeah, Ryan is like. He, he, 
He's one of those unique people that has figured out how this thing works. Now, you're going to ask, why do we have this author on? Well, for two reasons. Number one, his new book, Lethal Range, is coming out. His initial book, his debut book, was called Fields of Fire, a Matthew Red thriller. So Matthew Red is a Marine Raider. Now, you, you hear a lot about Navy SEALs, Delta Rangers, but nobody's ever had a book with a Marine Raider in it, you know? What so called? MARSOC? MARSOC, yeah. Marine um, Special Operations Command, I believe. MARSOC, yeah. Um, and so, so he's got, so he had a, not only did he have a debut book, he's been helping people. Finally, all these guys are saying, write your own damn book, dude. So he did. So he got a contract for two books and a novella, which we'll talk about the novella. Um, but his new book is, as we drop this episode, as you're listening to this today, his new book, Lethal Range comes out. And if I was just reading just the quick thing from Lethal Range. Let me just read you the intro. This is what Lethal Range is. On an island off the coast of Spain, Matthew Red and his FBI flight team surveil a luxury villa in hopes of catching a high-value fugitive. But when Red leads an unauthorized raid on the villa, he discovers they've been set up, and he is sent home to face the consequences of defying orders. Now, meanwhile, Red's family, Emily, is on a remote stretch of Montana Road driving their sick baby to the doctor when she finds her SUV surrounded by a biker gang. Intent on harassing her as they pound her fenders and infant sunscreens. Emily fights to keep the FSU beyond the road. And then the suddenly the bikers back off, leaving her safe but shaken. But when Red returns home, Murph, he's suspended from his team and certain that he's to blame for Emily's harassment after his run-in with the local biker gang. Uh, so what does he do? He does what any guy does. He goes to war. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he goes to war. <clears throat> Well, you know, when we were doing the interview, I had I haven't read Ryan's book yet, but I did read the I went on Amazon and read the few, first uh several pages of Fields of Fire. I'm buying the damn book. Yeah. I mean, his his attention grabber got my attention. Well, and we'll give you a little bit of a hint. It's it's a weapon I haven't seen used in a long time. It's yeah. a repeating <laughs> rifle with fixed iron sights. Yeah, I'd seen this since the wild, wild west days. Do it. Hey, so but but that's the cool part. And the other thing too, he works like I said with Sherry Foster, who obviously, as you know, was a guest on a previous episode. He's working with me. Mine is almost done. I am so close, Murph. I will be finished with my final word count cut this weekend, Sweet. and then fixing it up this next week. I think I should have it at him before the end of the month, and then who knows. Maybe you'll be doing an interview with me when I there release you go. my book. There you go. Probably take us a good three, four minutes to get that interview done. Yeah, it will be because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can talk really, really fast. Hey, anyway, so let's before this, um, let's do this. And Murph, so I normally ask you, but I know this guest, so why don't you ask me? What, am I, what do you want to know? <laughs> no. <laughs> before we get started, I have to ask you one question. Are you ready to play? Are you ready to play the biggest, the baddest? The I can't think of it. Most dangerous game of all, the game of crimes. This is how we know (laughs) Connie wrote the intro to the book for you. (laughs) Okay, Murphy, here, I'll help you out. Morgan, are you ready to play the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the game of crimes? You guys, this is what you got to do. You got to sit down, strap in, shut up, and hold on because the real book spy is flying by. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun because unbeknownst to to Murph and just tell a minute ago, there's a relationship between me, our guest, and one of our previous guests we had on, Sherry Foster. And the reason I know about this guy is because of Sherry Foster, and he is helping me finish my first book, which I believe he said at one time, uh, you get a lifetime to write your first first book, but only a year to write the second. So um, we're, we're getting that done. So, hey, I want to welcome 
the real book spy, the man who has been acknowledged in Jack Carr novels, Brad Thor, all over the place, the real book spy, Ryan Stack. Welcome, well, thanks Ryan. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, it's an well, honor. It's it's an honor to have you. It's nice to mix it up a little bit to have somebody like you on here that uh, actually has a brain. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Unlike well, Murphy. I, so. I, mean, I don't want to let you down. I mean, we'll find out. Uh, well, I usually you're successful writing, so that says something for you right there. And right? it's interesting, too, because one of our previous co- guests we had on, too, but Patrick O'Donnell, he does Cops and Writers. So we talked about writing some of the books he was writing. So this is great to have him on, uh, Ryan on. And actually, in full disclosure... Um, I am a client of Ryan, so uh, he has been helping guide me. I'm actually in the final phase. I mean, I have. I told him, I said, I want full Freddy Krueger on the manuscript. There's this old saying that says the first thing you do is murder your darlings. Yeah, I have killed off forty thousand of my darlings, and I have another nineteen thousand to go. And I will get there, and I will have a manuscript in his hands before Sherry Foster does. Are you listening, Sherry? <laughs> she will be notified of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's coming along, but um, yeah, you're in the cutting phase right now, which is, it's honestly a lot harder than people think, by the way. You, and one thing I had to realize in working on the book was nobody's ever read this before. If I take it out, nobody knows it's missing. Exactly. Yep. And I get too married. You get too married. Oh, that was a great line. Yeah, but it needs to go, <laughs> you know? So uh, I even removed it. You'd be proud of me. I removed an entire chapter. I looked at it and I said, you know what? I think I talked to you about this. The reader can figure it out. They're going to know how to get from A to C by going through B. I don't need to explain it. So put in your second book. So, so for me, look, cutting's never fun when it's your own stuff. No, look, don't take this wrong. But like, if I'm working with someone and they're a client, I can cut all day. It means nothing to me. I can be heartless and just start ripping words out because I wasn't there when you put them down. Now, me as a writer couldn't be a bigger hypocrite in the world. Like I will argue to keep my own stuff in there. And, um, I can tell you my agent, his name is John Talbot. He was one of Clancy's, uh, editors early in his career. (laughs) And I remember with fields of fire, he was like telling me to cut stuff and I was fighting with them. And he's like, just trust me. You got to do it. And I'm like, okay, where were you for hunt for red October? (laughs) All right. I felt like I could drive the submarine, (laughs) but that was fine. You know, and now I got to cut out these three lines that I really like, but now the cutting phase is hard, man. It really is. But that's when your book starts to take shape. Oh, and I'll tell you, we're, we're going to get into your background in a second, but I've noticed even myself, I've read it. I can't tell you how many times I've read my own book, but I'm watching it move faster. The pace is getting faster, um, and it's really making much more sense. I took out a lot of the um, – it's like going along at a really fast pace and then stopping for a pit stop. Well, let's stop here you know, and take a pee. Well, no, let's just keep going. You know, I don't want to slow – now, at Merce's age, he's got to do that every you know half of the chat. Every uh, half We may have that. I may have to take a break here in 15 minutes, so y'all better talk fast. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, well, Ryan, before we get started, as we do with all of our guests, Cosa Nostra, thing of ours, how'd you get, how did you get started in this? Because you are a relatively young man. You have a good-sized family, but you're a relatively young man. And uh, how did you get started in this this thing? Because we're going to – first thing I want to do is let everybody know we're talking about – he's already got a book out called Fields of Fire by Matthew. It's about a, a Marine Raider named Matthew Raider. I'm going to let him tell the story. And then the one we're talking about that will be coming out when you hear this podcast, it is coming out the next day on August 7th. It's called Fields of Fire. It's his follow-up uh, to his first hit bestseller um, I mean, Lethal Range is the follow-up to Fields of Fire. So let's let's talk about that, and let's talk about you first. How did you get started in this whole thing? How did you get up? How did you become the real book spy? How did you become this guy that everybody in the industry mentions when they talk about thrillers? 
It's um, well by accident, completely by accident. <clears throat> um, I never, I never intended. I got to be honest with you. Like I was, I was not a big reader as a kid, even not really. Um, I wanted to be a sports journalist. That was my dream. <clears throat> so I went, I went down that path. But I really struggled with producing um, write ups and 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 post game reports and stuff like that. And I just couldn't figure out like what was wrong with me. And so as an adult, um, and, you know, you mentioned that I'm, I'm young. I appreciate that because uh, my birthday is on the 30th of July. So it's coming right up and I'm pushing 40. So I don't feel young anymore. But uh, and I have oh, six. Give me, kids, whoa, whoa, whoa. Give, whoa, give me yeah. a break here. Come Shut on now. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I also have six kids. So that ages you, you know, um, oh, tell me. yeah, that ages you for sure. But I, um, I couldn't figure out why I wasn't able to produce good copy on, on post game stuff and felt like I relied way too much on a copy editor. And I went to the doctor as a, as a young adult and, um, pretty quickly, my doctor said, I think you might be dyslexic. So sent me to get tested and all that. And it came back, like, not just like a little, like mild dyslexia. It was like full blown. We can't believe you're reading dyslexia. And I thought, Oh, well, you know, that make it harder to to do my job. And they were like, um, yeah. Yeah. So the doctor (laughs) I talked to was like, look, ideally we'd catch this younger and you'd be learning, you know, tips and tricks along the way. Um, I would say to accelerate this, just start reading. So I'm like, Okay, I'll start reading. So I, I literally went home and Googled dyslexic authors. <clears throat> and how did you know thing, how to spell it? I know, right? So the first thing that pops <laughs> up is is Vince Flynn. And really? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, who's this, you know, Vince Flynn guy? <clears throat> so I kind of file in the back of my head. I see that um he wrote these Mitch Rap thrillers, and I'm like, okay, you know, I might get around to that. I can't remember exactly how many days later it was, <clears throat> but I'm pretty sure it was like within a week. It was like big breaking news that Vince Flynn died. And I mean, this was on like Fox and even CNN and, and the blaze with Glenn black. It was like everywhere. And I was like, Oh my gosh. You're like, I just read about this guy. So I was watching like rush Limbaugh, all these people be very emotional about losing Vince. And I'm like, you know, dang, he must've been really important. So I re-Googled him and um, found out that he consulted on the hit show 24. That's like one of my favorite shows ever. Oh, dude, uh, uh, Jack, Sutherland, Jack Bauer. Yeah, man. And there used to be a website called Jack Bauer body count. Dot com. It's and awesome. when I was at Cisco, Cisco was a big sponsor of 24. I actually have, as you're, as we're talking right here, you don't even know this. This came from the show. This is the counterterrorism unit. Oh, yeah, to you. I see that Tumblr. I got that from, I got that from Fox and 24. You stole it, didn't you? Creative awesome. I prefer to call it creative appropriation. <laughs> I call it uh, borrowing indefinitely. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. I well, as we're finding out, it's not a, really a crime. It's, you know, it's, yeah. I have a lawnmower right now that I indefinitely borrowed from my best friend, Mikey. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah. But listen, I, I, I just like was like, hey, if you worked on 24, this guy knows a thing or two. Like, I love that show. I want to, I want to give him a try. I had finished American assassin that night and bought all of his books like before the next sunup dove in, read them all within like a month hooked, man. I was so hooked. And how old were you at this time? Oh, I don't even know. Early twenties. Okay. And so I was like completely hooked on, I guess mid twenties. Yeah. I was hooked on Vince Flint and thought like, you know, um, 
this is so much better than movies. You know so much more about these characters, these plots. They really have time to, to, to develop and expand on things. And man, I was so hooked. And so I became this, this mega fan. Well, in my mind, I was still going to be a sports reporter. When you're watching an NFL game, you're taking notes. So you can write. So like five minutes when the, when the game's done, you have your game report up, right? That's how it works. So I was taking notes as I read these books, not to be some crazed super fan, but as practice to get back to what I thought would be my day job. Mm-hmm. And then my wife comes in one day and is like, what are all these notes? <clears throat> and I'm trying to explain it. You know, and I have like, I mean, no joke, dozens of legal pads just filled up with notes about Mitrat. And she goes, you should really like make a fan site or put this online. And I thought that is so stupid. People are going to think I'm a nut job, but you know, no one will find it. I'll just put it out there and you know, it'll be good practice for me. So Simon and Schuster found that. And as the story goes, when, uh, when Kyle Mills, who's a dear friend of mine stepped in to take over the Mitch rap series, uh, he loves notes, outlines, everything you can give him. Vince didn't take notes. Didn't keep notes, didn't, didn't do outlines. So Kyle signs on to write the new Matrap book. It was the Survivor 2013. And it's like, send me everything you got. And they sent him like, it was like two pages of, and it was, it was two pages that they end up using in the Survivor, by the way. <clears throat> I don't know if they ever talk about that publicly, but that's true. So that was, but that was it. And he, I think Kyle just kind of was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm going to need to know more. And long story short, we ended up being put in touch and um, I sort of became known uh, Vince's publicist. He's Mr. Atrium mystery bus on Twitter. If you're on Twitter or TikTok now, his name's David Brown. He's a buddy of mine. And um, he nicknamed me the rapologist. And I started doing the Vince Flynn encyclopedia for Simon and Schuster and you know, just helping them with little things. And eventually American assassin was made into a movie by CBS films. <clears throat> and, um, I had like, I wouldn't even call it involvement. They sort of reached out to me one day and they were like, Hey, do you know what Mitch rap wears? Cause we have Dylan O'Brien coming in for like a test screening. And I'm like, yes, I know what he wears. And I like sent him like a quick breakdown. And I remember like this guy from Lionsgate sends me back this email that was like, you even know what color his underwear is. And I'm like, I'm not like making it up. Like it was in the book, you know, like I'm not, it's not fan fiction. Like it was in there. So, um, from there, what happened is I don't really know what role I played and I'm not quick to pat myself on the back, but I think I was, I was one of several people that helped rally Mitch rap fans and bring them together. And there was a lot of success with the survivor. And I am not taking credit for that. Kyle Mills deserves all the credit for that. Uh, Stacy Reller, a good friend of mine, runs Vince Flynn fans on Twitter. <clears throat> well, it's not Twitter anymore, on X. Um, and I just played a really small role, but from there, other authors were reaching out to me. You know, hey, if you like Mitch Rap, you should try this guy. You should try my hero. And then I had other outlets reaching out when they found out I, you know, I had a background in journalism and they were like, hey, you want to write reviews? <clears throat> so I sort of just jumped in, you know, like, dumbly naive, like, yeah, I'll write some reviews, you know? And I, I started really getting into the thriller world and I don't know, maybe a year or so later, um, uh, author Ted Bell, New York times, bestselling author, Ted Bell, 12 Alex Hawk novels reached out. We became fast friends and he was really kind of the first author that was like, Hey man, I, you know, I want to work with you. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. And, um, sent me the book he was writing and says, I'm open to any editorial notes. And now keep in mind, 
normally when you're an editor, you work your way up. So you start with like stuff that's not high profile and then you climb that mountain. Nope. They just dropped me off on top of Everest. And it was like, Hey, if you got anything to say, and I'm like, I just, I, Morgan, I was sweating bullets, man. Like you have no idea. I we would, have a I new would, name for you. It's called Thriller Savant. You just go from the ground floor to the top floor, man. Dude, I'm telling you, I remember telling like my wife was like, just put comments, you know, just tell them what you think. And I'm like, this guy's written like a bunch of New York Times bestsellers. What can I possibly tell him? And I remember my my wife is very supportive. Her name's Melissa. I mean, she is my heartbeat, keeps me going. And she said, you know, babe, he reached out to you for a reason. He's got to see something. He really wants you to give feedback. Just do it. So, you know, I did. I sent it to him. I didn't hear from him for two days. And I just remember thinking, oh, he's, he's mad. You know, he's probably sitting around like, who's this guy I think he is, you know? I'm How big were that? When you sent it back to him, define, when you sent hit notes back, what does that mean? A page, two pages? Did no, you no, send no, him an encyclopedia? Like full, no, it was like a full line edit. Um, I said like a full line edit of the, where he was probably only half done at the time. And I just thought he was going to be so mad. And uh, he sends me an email uh, two days later and it says, hey, you're going to be around today. We need to have a powwow. And I'm just like, I don't even, I remember Googling, I know what a powwow is, but I remember Googling it to see like, does Google <laughs> think that's good or bad? Is like, that a physical contact or what? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm really sweating this. And I remember we got on the phone and um, Ted passed away in January. May he rest in peace. Um, but I just remember I was like, you know, hello, Mr. Bell. And he's like, Hey buddy, you know, call me Ted. And uh, we were very close friends ever since. And I remember he goes, these are bloody brilliant. I love it. Um, I want to keep working with you. And I was like, kind of stunned. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. So he really became a mentor to me. And I think, you know, the way this works is I never really advertised that I was an editor. I've done it for, you know, pretty long time now, 12, 13 years. And the reality is like, I never really had to go out and be like, Hey, I'm taking clients because it's word of mouth. I've worked completely on that and, and took the jobs I wanted almost from day one. I mean, there were, I worked on some stuff I wasn't super psyched about because the money was right. <clears throat> um, I'm not the biggest sci-fi guy in the world or like high fantasy, but you know, if they're going to throw dollar signs at you, yeah, I'm interested. So I did a lot of that stuff to sort of cut my teeth and, and <clears throat> gain some experience. But Ted was a mentor and things just kind of took off. And from there, I just became friends with a lot of authors. And I remember the one constant complaint was, man, there's like no one that just covers our books exclusively. And when you mean and our so, books, you mean thrillers? Thrillers, yeah. Yep, thrillers. So the way thrillers work in publishing is a little bit like the action movies in Hollywood. When you go to the Oscars every year, I swear to God, I've never seen any of the movies that are up for best picture ever. I'm always like, what? What was that called again? Like that one best picture? I never even heard of it. How come Fast and Furious never wins? How come Mission Impossible never wins? All these movies that I love that make a billion dollars, they don't win anything. That's not the best picture. Oh, no. Because it's so artsy. And, it's artsy-fartsy, you know, I was about to say. If it's not artsy-fartsy and high concept and all this other stuff. It's got to uh, be people that know better than you. And I, I just Only four that. people in the world need to understand the movie for it to be an Oscar contender. You know, so and it's, it's so it's complex. It's so stupid. I just know if you're going to sit there and tell me that Top Gun Maverick wasn't the best movie, that all it did was save theaters and got everyone back you know, in theaters. And, and, and that movie is fantastic. I have no idea what won best picture or what will or how it works, but come on, I would have voted for that one. And so the more I thought about it, I was like, why don't they have an Oscar for action movies then? 
I mean, they're keeping the rest of Hollywood afloat with their billions of dollars of income so they can go do these stupid indie movies that no one watches but somehow win Best Picture of the Year. And that sounds mean, but I just couldn't let it go. And I was like, Fast and Furious is up to what now? Fast and Furious 8 or something? No, 10. The 10th one. How many Oscars has uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, Indiana Jones or Star Wars won? I mean, Star Wars, I think, won a, no, not Oscars. They may have won some uh, other. I mean, if they do, it's like for special effects. And here's my thing. You know, Indiana Jones might not be winning Oscars, but everybody knows the name Indiana Jones. <clears throat> so when you come into publishing, it's very much the same thing. Thrillers are the redheaded stepchild of the family. And I just started to think we need a one-stop shop for all things thriller. And it was, in fact, Ted Bell, um, who before he was very famous as a writer um, made like a gazillion dollars uh, as an ad man at young and Rubicon. He was like the vice president there. So he was very successful. And he just said to me, you need to go create it. You've got the right background. You got the right knowledge base. You know, the authors. Now you have the connections. The publishers know you buddy. We need you to create it. And the real book spy was born like six months later. And it's been a wild ride ever since. Well, and you've got reviews of so many things on there. You get a lot of traffic. You were just telling us. What, what is it you can tell us about the traffic you get each year? We do. Ever since 2017, we've cleared 2 million unique impressions every year. Yeah, and that doesn't count the return visitors. That, I mean, because you post on that site. You, I mean, how many books a month are you reading? Well, it depends. I mean, it was a lot different. There's so... I used to read almost like a book a day, at least five or six days a week. I don't do that anymore. I mean, COVID shifted things around. First going, I'm just not even past chapter one on the first day. Hell. Holy cow. No, COVID, COVID came around. That changed things. Um, <clears throat> frankly, me launching my own career as an author, there's less time, you know? <clears throat> so my mission has always been, I don't do a lot of bad reviews. I have, I have a system. So if it's a book I agree to cover... I'm going to give it 50 pages. Now, if it's not good in 50 pages, I'm out because to sit there and read the whole thing and then write a bad review, who does that help? It doesn't help me. It doesn't help the author. It doesn't really help the reader. You know, that'd be like having a blog about instead of all the best restaurants, all the worst restaurants, you know, it's like, great. I know where not to go to eat, but I am also hungry. So, you know, where can I go? And that's the way I look at it. So I used to early on, I used to get made fun of because it was like, oh, Ryan's just a fanboy, doesn't do bad reviews, which is not true. By the way, I had a major author. I did a bad review and they pulled the giveaway. His publisher was furious. It was like a whole thing. My process, if I can't tell if that book is good in 50 pages and I keep reading, once I pass page 100, I'm committed. If that book sucks, you're getting a bad review. So they're out there. I've got some bad reviews, but mostly my objective is if you love thrillers and you come to the realbookspy.com, I want to help you find the books that you're going to love, not tell you all the ones that you will hate. You know, I'm here to help feed you, not, not starve you because make you afraid to eat anything. Well, you want to read books that are good, that are rated good. So maybe yeah. you'll pick up some, some tips from there, not the bad yeah. tips. So I, so I read, um, I mean, it varies now based on like my own deadlines and stuff. Part of what makes the books by work is exactly what I always wanted to avoid. I never thought I'd be the face of it. I mean, I got a face for, you know, radio and a voice for print. So I never wanted to be the face of this thing. That was never my goal. But I realized pretty quickly what made the books by work 
When you see a review from Kirkus or Publishers Weekly, you don't even know who wrote that thing. When you go to Twitter, you can't discuss it with the critic or the reviewer. Like, there's no dialogue. And I think fans, you know, what do we all do? Just human nature. When you love something, you want to share it with someone. It's like misery loves company, but so does joy. You want to find someone else who's psyched about whatever you're reading. And, and so inadvertently, that ended up being the thing that made it work. People knew it was me behind, you know, the logo. And it, I, instead of like, hey, at, you know, Books by, what do you think of this? It was like, hey, Ryan, what do you think of this? I never intended that. However, because that personal connection I really love with the people who read, you know, the website and newsletters, I just haven't been able to like, I do have a lot of help behind the scenes now for like certain things, but every review is me. Every time there's a list of the best books, that's me. Um, I haven't been able to give up control of that because I, I think, you know, that that's the brand. I became the book spy. I didn't mean to, but it happened. So I don't read a book a day anymore <clears throat> because now I'm writing. Um, but I did for, for years, I worked, um, a little over a hundred hours a week. There was probably six years. You asked my wife, I never took a day off. I never went on vacation. I read a book a day. I edited full time. I ran the books by full time. <clears throat> and then eventually, you know, the thing about, the thing about writing books, if you do it and you do it fairly decent, they will pay you pretty darn well for it. So when I sold fields of fire and I was part of a two book deal, it was like, man, this is great. I only have to do the editing jobs. I really want now. I don't have to work a hundred hours a week. Like my wife, I think it's a conspiracy though, because she still like really likes me in my office. Like I'll come downstairs and she's like, don't you have work to do up there? And, but so now it's different, man. Now I, now I write. So I really cover the books that excite me. I don't feel like I have to push out, a certain number of reviews a week anymore. If those books aren't there and I'm not that excited, I don't, you know, we do reading guides, we do reading lists and I'll give you my thoughts always on social media. But yeah, I mean, I still do a fair amount of review, a lot more than probably most people, a lot more than, you know, if I, if I didn't run the books by, I sure wouldn't be reading this many books a year, but, um, I think I went from, you know, 340 books a year down to more like 150. Yeah, but that's still a decent amount. I mean, I might knock out 30 to 40 books a year. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, but you, you, the other reason you talked about, too, getting that contract and doing that stuff, it gives you something you didn't, you didn't have before, and that's an option. That's a choice. You can now choose which ones to take on, and that's why I was glad when uh, Sherry Foster, by the way, Sherry, if you're listening, you owe Ryan a book. I want to make sure I, we repeat that. I've already let her know. She said she's almost done, Ryan. She loves you. She said I, she I was almost dead a year ago when we had her on our show. <clears throat> Dude, I, but I love her. I will fight for her till the end of time. Sherry is literally the best. She, I will, I'll be honest with you, and not because she could be listening. This is the truth. She is probably one of my favorite clients I've ever had because she's so special, and you guys know this, but she doesn't know it. She is so special, and I love her infinitely, and it's such a joy to work with her. She has that healthy excitement, but fear of the industry <clears throat> where it's not just like, you have to understand, I get a lot of calls and they literally go like this. Oh, Hey, you know, Hey Ryan, uh, I heard you're a big fan of Vince Flynn. Well, I wrote my first book. And if you like Mitch rap, you know, my character makes him look like a insert, you know, expletive. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's not the way to my heart, you know, come right here and tell me Vince Flynn suck compared to you when literally no one's ever heard of you. Right. Um, <clears throat> that's not the way to do it. Sherry has the right mindset. She's a fan. She's a student of the, of the genre and she's terrified to not get it right. I can work with that. 
that's so much easier to work with when you're mature in your thought patterns than, oh my gosh, I'm the greatest ever. And then I'm trying to tell someone like, hey, this isn't quite right. And they're like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, then what'd you pay me for? You know? I mean, what do you, I, I can't help you. She's one of the most energetic people you'll ever meet in your life. She will drop the world if she can help a friend. If you ever get a chance, listen to episode 29 of Game of Crimes. That's her interview. It, it will, it will, I promise you, it'll move you. Beautiful soul. I am so yes. thankful and privileged to call her a close friend. I love her to death, man. And I promise you when that book comes out, it is going to kick so much ass. That I mean, it's a great, it's great. She compared to this See, other asshole client he has called Morgan Wright. You know, I'm just such a pain no, um, yeah, no, and I'm not disputing that either. That's I'm <laughs> glad to hear you say there about yourself. No, he's pretty easy. I mean, um, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna like badmouth certain clients. But listen, everyone that works in any form with clients, there's always gonna be needy ones. You know, I don't have any more of those any now. Like I, though, I'm like I got paid well enough to write books that if there was some, <laughs> it sounds so bad. But if there's like people that I I didn't love working with or I truly didn't have the time, I didn't need to anymore. You know. And, um, and, and that's, that's where I'm at is if Morgan hit it on the head in the intro. You have a year to write, well, you have your whole life to write your first book. That's true. But then you get a book deal. So if you spend 18 years writing that book, it's going to be a two book deal. When they sign you, you've got a year to turn in your next one. I'm already on, um, I've already got him and I worked actually through, I think seven or eight plots. So I've got like the next eight novels plotted out. Just got to get this first one done. But let me rewind just a little bit because. You've you've also not just got with those names. I mean, we were talking about Jack Carr. Jack Carr is like one of the hottest thriller writers right now. His first book that came out, The Terminal List, was turned into um, uh, a series on Amazon. Uh, Chris Pratt um, was, you know, starred in that thing. And now season two is coming out. How did you get hooked up with these folks that are coming out like that? I mean, they reach out to you, you reach out to them, or is it just a conflict? How do you get involved with the Brad Thors and the... Yeah, it's different the, with everyone. A lot of people... Well, Brad Thor, I mean, I met by being a fan. Um, Jack Carr, look, I remember this one vividly, and I, I, he's another guy I love. I would do anything for. Um, well, yeah, because he'll kill you if you don't. <laughs> yeah, and listen, he could do it up close or from like very far away. Yeah. I Which mean, is we found out in the terminal list. Yes. Yeah, 100%. He's like proficient up close or from a mile out. So you want to stay on the good side. Um, no, I remember I got a call from his publicist right after he signed. I don't think it was very long after he signed at Simon & Schuster. And they said, hey, can we send you this to look at? And we just want to know what you think. They didn't tell me anything about it. And so I said, yeah. And I remember I got it and don't be mad at me, Jack, but the cover looked awful. I mean, it was like, it looked bad. It, it looked like a romance cover gone wrong. The color scheme didn't work. Now it's not the one that you guys see. It used to be like orange and black. The, the cover that it actually is, is beautiful. It's a gorgeous cover. I want to be very clear about that, but I just remember I got it and I was like, what the hell even is this book about? <clears throat> I go into the first chapter. I remember it vividly. I was sitting outside. It was before we moved right out of the house. I sit in the back. Sun was shining on me. It was summer so hot. I went and sat under a pine tree. I cracked open this unknown manuscript called uh, the terminal list. And right away was with some dude named James Reese, you know, hiking through the, the forest. And all of a sudden he's behind the scope of a sniper rifle and he shoots a dude who's driving down in his car. And I was like, Holy crap. Like, Wow. So I kept reading. I read it. I finished it that day. <clears throat> and I remember when I called the publicist back, I said, this is the most 
raw and real thing I have read since Vince Flynn's term limits. I don't even know you could write a book like this anymore. I mean, in today's world, I didn't even think they'd publish it. Like, seriously. Well, in his book, too, I know from reading it in his initial, I think it took until his fourth book. But he would he when he submitted it to the publication review board, he instead of rewriting stuff, he just if it was redacted, he just left it in there. He said, this is what they redacted out of it. He wanted people to see. So he did that from the start. His second book got like delayed. <clears throat> and I just remember it was so funny because it was like kept being pushed back and delayed because of the, the review board. And I just remember one time, I think it was like I was talking to Mark Graney, another author. and. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, I wish I had that problem. You know, that's a that's a marketing tool right there. You know, the book the government doesn't want you to read. And sure enough, that's that's kind of what it turned into. And Jack and Mark Graney, the gray man, was turned it also into another. Was that I think it was Netflix or Amazon movie yep, yeah. with uh, with Ryan Gosling and Chris yep. Evans. Yeah. So, um, no, Jack is um, Jack is a good friend. I mean, oh, yeah. So this will be audio only. They won't see video of this, will they? But I'm but I'm wearing Jack's watch right now he's got shout out to aries watches they have what's called the jack mod 2 and uh you can buy it at jackcarusa.com click shop these are exclusive it's a limited batch but i'm telling you man it looks sharp so aries watches the jack mod no jack is a super good guy um i really love his stuff i feel fortunate to call him uh a friend let me tell you something though that like if listeners know who he is like they know he's a famous author I've never met such a sweetheart of a man. And I sincerely mean that. And then this dude could like definitely kill you a thousand different ways with a popsicle stick. <clears throat> He's the sweetest guy you'll ever meet in your life. So I am like the only thriller author who's also on Twitch, twitch.com forward slash Ryan underscore stack. And then that's a billion dollar a year market that no one's tapped. So my agent was like, Hey, you should get on Twitch. So anyways, I'm on Twitch and we shoot kind of like a live podcast there. Well, I built this community and one of these guys, his name is, uh, is Jace. Well, his name's Jeremy, but I renamed him. So he goes by Jace now <clears throat> and that's a whole story, but he is the biggest Jack Carr fan in the world. And he was hoping to go meet Jack. It, it plans fell through. It didn't work. Jack's coming on my Twitch channel. You know, yeah. He came in, he came on in May. Okay. So he comes, so he's coming on and I, and I call him first and I just said, Hey man, your biggest fan in the world is part of my community. And he's not able to go meet you on this thing. Do you want to hang around for a minute afterwards? And I'll bring him on and surprise him. And you know, when you have a book out as an author, you're Jack Carr, especially you are everywhere. You are flying in, flying out. It's like being a professional athlete. I mean, you're in a different city every day. And he didn't blink. He was like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got another thing, but, um, you know, let's bring him on. I want to surprise this guy. And that's like, he's really genuinely the sweetest man ever. He made uh, Jace's whole year. Um, and there's like, that was clipped and put online and on Twitter. I mean, I never seen someone so starstruck in my life. We brought him on and I said, Hey, Jace, meet, meet my buddy, Jack Carr. And he was like, literally starstruck. Like couldn't, couldn't believe it, man. I, he actually like yelped. He was so excited. It was just the coolest thing. That's the kind of guy he is. That's Jack Carr, man. He's like the best dude ever. Wow. Well, let's, let's start talking about you now, because you've been doing this for a long time, because you and I actually talked about this. You were working on the book when I first signed up with you. You hadn't got it out yet. Um, what, at what point did you decide, okay, uh, I've been doing the editing, right? Um, now, making that transition to author. What made you consider that? All right. The honest answer I could give you is this. I get paid pretty well to edit. 
But when you start seeing what some of these people are making per book, you're like, dang, like I should really be doing that. And I've read their stuff, and I know I can write better than them. <laughs> uh, well, you said that, not me. But I was like, hey, I got to know. So I just um, – I actually wrote the draft of Fields of Fire like six and a half years before it came out. That sounds familiar. My yeah. mind's the same thing, you know. Been yeah, hanging yeah. there for a while, yeah. It, it sat with my agent. It was initially about human trafficking. The, the Fields of Fire that you can buy right now, there's not even mention. Like, human trafficking is not even a thing in it yet. Um, and I just remember my agent said, you know, it's not going to sell real well right now. That's not kind of what the publishers are looking for. And I thought, well, that's okay. Cause I'm so busy. You know, I want to wait till I have like a downtime to really sell this. Then COVID happened <clears throat> and my agent, you know, I had tried to co-author with a couple different people, have them come on and help me take out human trafficking and replace it with something else. And it just wasn't working. And it was probably more my fault than theirs, but it just didn't work. And when COVID hit, everything slowed down. And I thought, all right, I'm going to step away and I'm going to finish this thing the way I really want to. And we'll see what happens. And so I gave it back to my agent and, um, and you know, and he shopped it and, uh, I got, we had some interest and I, I got a heck of an offer from uh, Tyndale house publishing and, uh, they have been absolutely a, a joy and pleasure to work with and, and really supportive of me and a big believer in, and not just me, but Matthew read in this series as a whole. So I landed on my feet, you know, it was just time to make, make the transition. And I kind of had put it off as long as I could until John tells me one day, and this is why you need an agent who always tells you the truth, but he just said, you got six kids, two full-time jobs. You're editing, you're running the book spot. You're never going to have a downtime. It's time to go out with this. And I thought, yeah, I mean, you could be right. So it all just kind of came together. People may not appreciate the name John Talbot. You just, you did a kind of a throwaway line, Clancy. Talk about John Talbot and Tom Clancy, because Clancy had to go to 26, I, P was turned down 26 times. It was the Naval Press that finally published Hunt for Red October. But Talbot worked with Tom Clancy to turn him, really to kind of take him from what he was to what he ended up being. Yeah, I mean, Tom Colgan, who's still there, was kind of like the keeper of all things Clancy, as I understand it. <clears throat> John worked on some of the early paperbacks and, and was involved at Penguin. But, I mean, that was, that was a different time in publishing, you know? I always like to say, though, it just shows you that, like, publishing has never known what they're doing. How does, how does a guy like Tom Clancy go to all these publishers and just get turned down repeatedly and then turn into Tom Clancy, right? I mean, The Hunt for Red October is still one of my top five favorite all movies of all time. I mean, just the whole, you know, give me one ping, Vasily, one ping only. You know, I can do Sean Connery. But I mean, but it's just the whole, the the detail that went into it. He he kind of coined or he kind of probably helped create the genre, right? The techno thriller. He, he really 100%. started getting. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I did impress because of Tom Clancy. I impressed an FBI agent one day. I was working a case with him and he was a Naval Academy graduate. And I said, well, you know, the top speed of the Mark 7 torpedo is about 48 knots. He goes, how'd you know that? I said, uh, Red Storm Rising, Tom Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, he knew his details. Well, Jay, he, he did a lot of research with Jane's defense and, you know, and just open source stuff. And then obviously he developed sources. But, um, but what I'm saying is that's the caliber. Of, that's the guy who's helping you. But well, let's let's talk to because I want to talk about your first book, uh, Fields of Fire, because we want to talk about lethal range. But you got to we got to set the stage. Yeah, yeah. How did you come up with the idea for Matthew Red? I mean, what? And the other thing, too, is there's been a everybody's like you either got to be Delta or an Army Ranger or SEAL team. 
I can tell you, most people don't understand Marsoc. They don't understand Raiders. Um, you picked kind of a unique discipline, a skill to focus on for, how did you come up with that? I think if we're all honest, <clears throat> just objectively. Why wouldn't we be? Are you, have you lied yeah. to me at some point during this yeah. podcast interview? Well, this could, this could be controversial, but I think if everyone is being honest in their heart, Marines have the best dress uniforms. They just do. They look so good. They're so slick. The Marines look good. And, um, look, but truthfully for me, I work on too many things. I, I, as an editor, I cover too many things as the book spy. I didn't want anyone to read one of my books and go, oh, you must have took this from insert title author. I wanted something completely different. So I wanted a Mitch Rapp like character, but I figure I'll go drop this guy off out West. You don't ever see Jason Bourne or these guys out West. So I want to, I'll do that. Unless they're and, flying and, over the state. That's about yeah, the exactly. only time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you don't see the series set there. And red is red is set. That series set in Montana. Um, Navy SEALs are so played out. The Delta boys are so played out. And look, for good reason. I'm not putting them down. I mean, come on. There's a reason why we all know about them. But I thought, you know, who's left? And the more research I was doing, the more people I talked to, like, who's the biggest badass that's not a SEAL or a Delta boy? And it was like, finally, someone said to me, what do you know about the Marine Raiders? And I was like, you know, not much. So the more I looked into them, the more I thought, this is, this is more Red's brew of coffee right here. Yeah. My character, Matthew red, I just saw it instantly, man. It just clicked. And I kind of just ran with it. Yeah. Cause the, the Raiders, I mean, and there's been some, um, variations of stuff. So one of my friends, uh, was a, came out of Naval Academy FBI agent, but was a captain in the Marines. He was force recon. And there's this great picture of him. It used to be on his Twitter page. He's doing a, he's doing a halo jump in white there there. It's wintertime, but he's doing a halo jump in white. You know, and it's like this. You know, that's some cool shit. But when I when I first started reading about Matthew Red, it, like you say, he almost it reminded me of what you would get if you kind of put together like a a, a Mitch Rapp and a um, uh, um, Jack Reacher, you know, and a couple other folks. You know, somebody got some street smart as well as smart knows how to operate tactically. But I like the fact that you set it out in states that tend to be flyover countries. You know, I came from Kansas, flyover country. Now, um, I do have to ask one thing. Will, will, uh, Matthew Red ever work with, uh, the Dutton ranch at Yellowstone to drive off the other people? Hey players, that is the end of part one. Part two comes out, as always, on Tuesday. In the meantime, go check us out at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. Also, go check out our website, GameofCrimesPodcast.com. We've got a lot more information there, including our book list. Any book written by our guests will be listed there. In the meantime, go check us out also, patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. It's where we put a lot more content you won't hear on our regular podcast. We go into a lot more topics, and folks, it is a lot of fun. So go check us out, patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. In the meantime, everybody stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow for part two. 